This podcast is not sponsored by audiobooks.com. Why not? It's bad. Take a crazy look. Don't do it. Why not? I can give you a lot of reasons. Hillary Duff's books. Don't make and me. Cinderella stories. You'll hear us a lot. So nope. why not? Why not? Why not take a crazy look? You can't make why me. Not Don't do it. Hey. No. All right. Um. Are you ready to discuss this chapter? No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm very excited. Welcome to Cinderella Stories. With a Z, I guess. My name is Dan. I'm in pain. <laughs> We're reading the chapters of actor, musician, fashionista, uh, Hilary Duff. Still not sure why we're doing this. We're doing, we doing it for the Duff heads, Dan. We're doing it for the Duff heads so that they don't have to. And every day I wake up and I say, you know what? I'm doing this for the fans. With a Z. With a Z. Fans with a Z. I would do anything for the Duff heads. With a Z. Today we're joined by a very special guest, uh, Angie Anderson. Hello. Local actor and filmmaker. And filmmaker and uh, holder of an English degree. So I feel like I'm pretty qualified to talk about this. Yeah, this is your territory. And we are all educators. <laughs> oh, are we? Wow. Don't out me like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're reading the 2010 New York Times bestseller from Shaman and Schuster called Elixir. Today we're talking about chapter nine, and we have a very special guest today. Oh, why? why I just why am I repeating myself? <laughs> I don't know, but you're the one editing it, so I'm not yeah. sweating it. I'm going with the flow. This chapter has successfully melted all of our brains. Like, yeah, I, feel like I, this is... I don't. I don't know what to say. No, I have a lot to say actually. <laughs> so these chapters don't have names. What would you name this chapter? Oh, I have that in my notes, 100%. Um, let me pull that up. Uh, chapter 9 of Elixir. It's just self-insert Da Vinci Code fanfiction. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you have a name for the chapter, uh, Al? Accidental dog whistles. <laughs> I have a whole, oh, no. let me tell you, conspiracy theories about this book. Buckle up. QAnon, I'm coming for you. Oh my God, I'm in tears. I'm ready. I would call this chapter uh, Munificently, uh, which is a word that was used. It's, it's a... That's a, a, a five wow, cent. Wow, I, I blocked uh, that out. Vocabulary. Yeah, word. I already <laughs> repressed that. I 100% also uh, repressed that. Actually, I'll call this cribbage master. Oh, not the cribbage. The amount of cribbage that the showed cribbage. up in this chapter. <laughs> the, the cribbage. The cribbage, that's a dog whistle. I can't explain it, but that's linked <laughs> it to white to supremacy somehow. There's something white supremacist about cribbage. And prove me wrong, you know? I have very little evidence. This is all just, just you know, conjecture. But, you know, if you want to prove me wrong, go ahead, because you can't prove me wrong. I don't think you can, especially with the I way that think, this book treated the tone of cribbage. I think of the, uh, if there's a Venn diagram of cribbage players and white people, it would just be a circle. I, <laughs> I mean, I can't sound off because I'm white, but I also have never heard of cribbage. The only people I know who know about cribbage are white, so I don't know. <laughs> I okay, it's it seems like 
the waspiest shit I've ever heard, first of all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, as much as I wanted about cribbage, I want to get through this summary of the chapter real quick. You, you, you right? do your thing, Dan. Yeah, you got to keep us right. on topic. I don't. This was an incredibly hard chapter to summarize because this is really long. It's an this incredibly really, hard chapter really to read, mm-hmm. to listen to. Yeah, it was hard to absorb. They, this this is like a first draft chapter to process. Right? So, <clears throat> Clea, who we have no idea what she looks like, has returned to Sage's living room. Where the boys are bonding. She had just seen a bunch of portraits in the other room, uh, and it was scary. Uh, she keeps the discovery secret. They fly to New York City, JFK, and have Reina pick them up. They're trying to like sneak back into their house or whatever, because the, apparently the uh, Cursed Vengeance and the Defenders of Elixir, whatever the two crews are, are after them, because that's what Sage convinced them. I don't... I, I don't... It's bullshit. Uh, and Raina picks them up at the airport. The boys are fighting on the uh, on the plane, but then bond over their shared affinity for the game of cribbage. Raina uh, is filled in on Sage being 500 years old and uh, and killing her old self on the two and a half hour drive to Nantic. Nan- Nantic. Niantic. Yeah, like I don't the, even know the, what that is. It's like the company that produced Pokemon Go. Wait, really? Uh, That's Niantic. Po- yeah. Pokemon Go is in my notes for this chapter. We'll get to that. Whoa. Um, <laughs> it is not uh, they mine. Arrive, they arrive at Niantic, and they uh, and are afraid of, like, oh, no, are the people here? But then they see it swarming with Secret Service because uh, Mommy Congressman is hosting a big luncheon for Middle East uh, Eastern diplomats. Oh, no. Raina pretends Sage is her boyfriend. Uh, to distract or keep him busy or whatever, while Ben and Clea da Vinci code her dad's computer. Um, through, cribbage, through cribbage, Shakespeare, uh, and other random connections, they figure out who the dark lady is, who is mentioned very offhandedly last chapter, is who they have to find in order to find a I'm going to drink this, bleach. This pot is. Her <laughs> name is Magda Alessandro, whatever it is, and she is in Shibuya in Tokyo. At the She's mall. at Shibuya 109. Two... Yes, they're, they're holding three packages of mine right now, and she's at Shibuya 109. Come pick them Which up goes, to me. I'm tired Shibuya. of this panorama <laughs> keeping me from getting my dumb shit. <laughs> they discuss going to Shibuya. Rain is excited. Uh, even though she's going to spend her own money on it, which is bullshit. Uh, and then um, Clea's like, no, you're not coming with us. And they also <laughs> like, hi, bye to her mom. They just got about this, like, what? Like, a 12-hour flight, and mm-hmm. she's about to leave again. Um to sneak off to Tokyo. Good luck with that. So yeah, yeah, that's the chapter. A- any, any? Did I miss anything? Actually, no. More importantly, Angie, do you have any questions? Do I have any questions? Well, I, I, for my very first note on this chapter is how old is Clea? Why are the adults so interested in shipping her with clearly older men? Yeah. Um, for and then real. I looked at the back of the mm-hmm. book, and she's like seventeen. She's seventeen. She's 17 and Ben yep, is... Yep, welcome to this book. Ben is 19 or 20 and he has a doctorate. I remember the the doc... <laughs> ben, I, I have all of the context up until chapter four, I think, which is what you guys have... Angie, really... are you the first guest that has heard the podcast before coming yes. on the podcast? Yes. I think so, but I only That's have up exciting... until chapter four. So I have no idea what has happened from chapter four till chapter nine. Absolutely a nothing. A lot and not much at all. <laughs> Absolutely nothing has happened. I promise you. It, it honestly feels that way because at chapter four, you guys revealed that, okay, this is the sex monster. And then I jump in at chapter nine and it's like, oh, it's still the sex monster. They're just yeah. all together now. But he's chill. But yeah, he's 
They're, well, they're not he's sure. Not. He's in that gray area. But I think he's probably good, and they're just trying to mislead us so they can introduce a very bland villain. He's, he's really blasé for such a 500-year-old sex monster. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, he is. He's kind of boring. He's very casual. He's very muted. Yeah. I thought I thought he'd be like a bad boy. Instead, he's just there. Why do all these people play fucking card games? I don't understand. <laughs> I have to actually say this chapter kind of brought everything. Like this has this is this book in a nutshell. This I think so too. Is, mm-hmm. is, I had that same thought. This book as a whole, it has all the all the all the the, the key plot points going on. All of it's it. It's got all the weird underlying weird subtext of contains uh, of, the phrase rich people being a horse person, comma. Yes, yes. being a oh horse person. Goodness. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote being, period, uh, period, horse, horse period, person. person. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one Man. of those things like uh, stress is important. Being a horse person, being a <laughs> horse person, <laughs> being a horse person, being a horse, being a horse person. person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so any, any other questions? Um, no, no. I. You want to know what's in that room that she saw? Uh, I I cheated a little bit and I read like the last couple pages of the last chapter. Pretty awesome, I, right? Pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's a good ending of that chapter. Yeah. And the beginning was really fun. Um, I want to talk about the beginning of this chapter real quick. Okay. Because uh, first off, some Freudian stuff keeps happening. But Ugh. she comes back in the room and it says Sage was brandishing a knife, and it was hilarious <laughs> to me because it was oh it's the turkey. It's the knife plot gag? for Spider-Man 2002. Oh, my it's God. It's Willem Dafoe with the knife cutting up the turkey. The knife gag is too much for my pretentious sensibilities. I read that, <laughs> and I was just rolling my eyes so hard. You know what? I was thinking about that. Uh, at the beginning of this chapter... Um, we're introducing a new segment called TMI time. It's where I talk about my poops, but I was having explosive diarrhea at the beginning of this chapter. And that's when I determined that this book is not good enough to be a shitting book. This is not a book you can sit and read or listen to while you're taking a shit because it will not take your mind off of the carnage that is happening below you. So I just wanted to add that into my notes there. And also, sorry, we started recording this so late. Half of it was because I had to pause the book while I was experiencing Experiencing this distress. Thank you. That concludes our segment, <laughs> oh. TMI time. Back to y'all. I'm glad you feel better. <laughs> yeah, same. I don't, but thank you. <laughs> so, on that note, on the next page, uh, you know, she's trying to go over how Sage is. Has been reincarnated? Is he really 500 years old? Uh, and she's like, there is the incubus theory, but could spirits bleed? And you know what? I want to know do spirits poop? Whoa. Does Sage poop? Whoa. I don't think he poops. He strikes me as someone who doesn't have an anus. Like, it's just closed up. It's like... <laughs> He's Kyle XY, but, like, instead of no belly button, it's no anus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can pee, but for fun. But for fun? Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like, like yeah. he can pee if he wants to. I love that. To experience that part of his humanity once yeah, more. Yeah, to enjoy a piss because he enjo- <laughs> enjoy just a nice, solid poop. They're like, here, we'll balance it out this way. That's well, yeah, he, he yeah, he, he that's yeah, because he fucked um he fucked Clea's dad. He fucked Listen, Clea's dad. <laughs> Whoa, did. I did not get that context. <laughs> it's ripe uh, in the other chapters. This one not so much. Well, because he has the dad's watch. He's yeah, like, it's my head cannon, and it's very solid. The mm. dad's watch, who like he never takes it off, and it's like matching his wife's, and he has it on. We're like, okay, they fucked. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Who else would he give that watch to besides like? His secret boyfriend, you know? His secret boyfriend in Rio. 
secret Here's boyfriend thing, in if we're really if we're really committing to the whole incubus thing, an incubus should be able to service any sort of sexual want or need. Yes, so thank I think you. Thank you. Pee and poop and blood. I think it all has to be possible if this is truly an incubus. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. I agree with your theory. Pee pee poo poo <laughs> confirmed. Pee pee. <laughs> That's the real name of this chapter. Pee pee poo poo confirmed. <laughs> pee pee poo poo confirmed. Um, should we go into fashion check? Yes, we should. Only you would think that you could hide that powder blue puffy sleeve. It's kind of a peasant dress, but it might just be a baggy disaster of questionable fiber content that you wore to the spring dance. It's a small fashion check, right? No, there's barely any fashion. I'm really upset about but this. But we get a little bit of it. We, we get do. Something. We get a small little fashion check. Uh, here we go. Um, we're like a good like 10 pages in and there's the first fashion is described. Um, so they got off the airplane. Rain insisted I take her heavy winter coat. It was 34 degrees outside Fahrenheit and I was still wearing my little black sundress. So what do you think about wearing a black that black sundress for what three days straight? 10 out of 10. And on the plane? 10 out of 10. Never showering? I mean, it's hot. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. In 34 degree weather, 10 out of 10. Yeah. A hoe never gets cold, and she knows this, and I respect <laughs> that. That is amazing manic energy, and I'm here for it. Yeah. yeah. Like, why, she yeah, why change if that's the outfit? Also, little um, black sundress, 10 out of 10. Ladies, just a reminder, yeah. it is sundress season, so feel free to add the podcast at Cindy Stories with your sundress pics. Please do, honestly. It is me who is allowed Please. to say this. Dan can't say this, but since most of you perceive me to be a woman, I can get away with saying shit like this. Thank you. <laughs> Happy sundress season, ladies. The next fashion. Should we all give that a 10 out of 10? Nice. 10 out of 10, yeah. Because uh, 10, 10 for attitude, 10 for actual looks. Um, mm -hmm. And then... The next fashion check is right after that. Raina herself was wearing a lacy push-up camisole. I took issue with this mostly because I cannot personally envision a push-up camisole. Because camisole What is a camisole? Let me look it up. It's like a spaghetti strap tank top. And sometimes they have these little shelves oh. to hold your boobs. But I cannot imagine a camisole being capable of pushing up flesh. Yeah. Oh, that. I guess this is 2004. <laughs> yes, it is I very guess this 2004. Is 2004. I feel like that's the exclusive sh the exclusive thing worn in 13 going on 30. If we're going to at uh Clea for wearing a sundress in 34 degree weather, we have to at uh Reina for wearing a camisole in 34 degree weather. No, I think she's a queen and she also knows <laughs> that a hoe never gets cold. Check out the guest chat for the photo I just found on Google. Okay, that's cute. It's it's a body aware men's smooth satin camisole. That's cute. That's cute. Oh, I love the bottoms. Me too. Yeah. They are cowardly croppers. I want to see the rest of that. Someone's got to do it, you know? Half of these photos <laughs> are the most visible nipples I've ever seen in fashion. Good. That's like, you know, that's an accessory. You know, like how you'll have like a hat or a watch. You'll have visible nipples or not. I completely agree. Do you think Raina wears a bra? No. no. And good for her. She's too hot. Yeah. No way. She's too enlightened. She knows that there's yep. no fucking reason to wear a bra ever. You yep. ne literally never have to wear a bra. And I'm saying that both in a way of like, 
who the fuck cares? And also in a horny way. I do want to clarify that. No, I agree. Playing both, so- playing both sides here. Mm-hmm. All right. So how do we rate this camisole that Raina's wearing? Do we rate it? I'm still I'm still trying to understand what push-up camisole is. I'm going to look it up. Push up. 3,042 out of 10. You're too horny. You're too horny to, to fairly rate this. Hold on. Boobies? Bo- boobies? Boobies. Oh, if it's this, that's terrible. If it's Wait, this, push, that's put terrible. It, put it in the guest chat. I'm putting it in the de- guest chat. I know it doesn't have lace on it, but even if you were to attach lace to it. Oh, okay. I don't. I'm not Boobies. into it. So Reyna is just wearing <laughs> uh, Victoria's Secret wardrobe exclusively. Which Man, I, fuck Victoria's queen. Secret, bro. That place is evil. <laughs> that place will look at you and sure. be like, mm, you're a 34C and like your titties don't fit anywhere near that. And it's fucked up. That place is the reason why I won't go to a mall. I've, I've gone there as a boyfriend and the music is awesome. Whoever's in charge of the radio at the Victoria's Secret. It's been a traumatizing experience every time I've set foot into one. (laughs) They got a really good husband chair. Let me tell you that. If someone tried to take me in there, I would cry. So I would rate this outfit. I would give this an eight. All right. I like wearing this in in winter. Like, I think that's a serve. Yeah, I could vibe with that. 34 degree weather. I, I think I don't think that she really kept that in mind when writing this. She was like a winter coat over this. I'm like, oh. I will really? I will agree that it is a serve. It is absolutely attitude to um wear this in the winter. But if this is 2004 and it's the camisoles of 2004, I'm going to have to give it like a, a a 3. It's serving boobies, boobies and boobies. Yeah, I rate it 10 for boobs. <laughs> we all we we hear Cinderella stories. We love boobs. I love boobs too. I just think Reina's boobs deserve better. Mhm. You heard it here first, folks. All right, the next fashion <laughs> check I have is on page 209. Again, do not follow along, but this is for Andrew in case he will not be along with me. Um, so she's leaving. She just got to her house uh, and just did Da Vinci Code shit, which we'll talk about. Jesus Christ. And she grabs it. I grabbed the duffel bag and tossed some clothes in. I also threw in some makeup. There was no reason I had to look like a fugitive just because I'd be acting like one. So Jesus at this point, Christ. I realize she's still wearing the black sundress and has not showered. Mm. Good for her. Yeah, I'm into the the trashy black sundress. Like, not trashy in that it is trashy, but in trashy as in it's it's old and probably stinky. Tattered. Yeah. Just throw it into the dryer with like two dryer sheets and then just put it back on. For my context, is have they been in distress for the past couple of days, or is she just choosing not to like change? She had a twisted ankle, she fell down on the beach, she danced for several hours. None she probably smells things. pretty ripe, but not like yeah. that's a problem. Um, again, yeah, two dryer sheets into the dryer mm-hmm. on high for like 20 minutes yeah. and then just put it back on. That's true. So uh, in this one, like, does she actually change? Because I, I missed it if she actually changes. I don't think so. So she leaves for Tokyo in that same black sundress. Yes, I hope the so. one she wore in Rio was dancing her ass off with Ben and then was attacked in the forest and then slept on a dirt floor in a cave, which this is news to Angie, uh, that same sundress. And yeah. traveled. And traveled. <laughs> playing cribbage. Uh, let, okay, that's it for fashion check. I really hate this chat because it's only like, and then also the woman next door was wearing perfume, but that's barely an outfit. 
Yeah. Yeah, the lady who loved war, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, let's talk about that plane, that plane real quick. Okay, because this might be one of my favorite bad sections of this book. Going on to the plane, there is a bit of gay subtext going on between Sage and Ben. They clearly love each other, but are like, you know, enemies to lovers. Oh, right? yeah. I felt some some ten, little tension between them. I was going to say, yeah, this chapter does not belong to the lesbians. This chapter belongs to the cis male gays. This chapter does belong to the 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 gays, the boys. Shout out to the gay boys. Yeah, the boys. And so Sage and like Ben are like, you know, at odds. They're not talking. They're being like, you know, they're they're pretending to, to ignore each other when clearly that's all they're thinking about, probably. And she says, I waited, waited until we were on the plane before I shoved off my purchase. Cribbage. She I bought declared. the three hundred dollar cribbage board from uh, <laughs> Anthropology or wherever. Pulling out the board, a deck of cards of pen and paper. Ben and I are going to teach you. Then we can all play. Say, wait, can I actually read this together, Angie? On page yeah. one eighty six. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh hell yes. Um, can can you be Clea and Clea's voice, and I'll be Sage and Ben? Absolutely, I can. So I'll do the dialogue for Sage and Ben, but you do <clears> the narration <throat> and Clea's voice. Okay. And now, our feature presentation. I waited until we were on the plane before I showed off my purchase. Cribbage, I declared, pulling out the board, a deck of cards, and a pen and paper. Ben and I are going to teach you. Then we can all play. What makes you think I don't know how to play cribbage? Sage asked. You do? Ben sounded surprised. I happen to be an excellent cribbage player. Sage said. Really? Because I'm what one might call a cribbage master. <laughs> ben said. <laughs> I bet I've been playing longer than you. Sage said, and I cast my eyes his way. Was he trying to tell us something? I highly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> ben said. But I believe you will see the proof when I double skunk you. Clearly you're both forgetting it's a three-person game, and I'm ready to destroy you both, I said. Deal em. Ben said. And then, and then and then we get our best, the second best line in the chapter. We'd like to read it. <laughs> being a horse person, my mother was absolutely <laughs> convinced I can being a horse person. Wait, read the whole sentence. Read the whole <laughs> sentence. Okay, it goes, um... <clears throat> Being a horse person, my mother was absolutely convinced she could achieve world peace if she just got the right parties together on a long enough ride. I can't. This was the part where I decided I couldn't read this book anymore. This was the book where I paused, went to take another monster shit, and was like, I don't think I can listen to the rest of this. I cannot describe how, again, what we just read, they were back to back. There was no transition. No. None. Nope, it goes right from cribbage to being a horse person. Being a horse person. <laughs> Am I some kind of like full fucking yokel that I've never heard of cribbage? I feel like, am I just some southern white trash, <laughs> uneducated, like every stereotype that people have, like, because I've never heard of fucking cribbage? What is that? Hey, I haven't. Before it was this podcast, I hadn't heard of it. I mean, surely maybe I've seen it. Maybe I played it something. I can't. I've kid, I looked up all the shit of it, and I'm like, I've I've never seen anything. I've never seen anyone play this. I've never seen anything. Apparently, my roommate has a cribbage board, so I might learn. Wow, you should, and then let us know how what it is, what it's like. Yeah, I've never heard of cribbage either. I'm too Filipino for that, I guess, and I'm only half Filipino. You're you're, you're half, uh, and then you're half cribbage fan. 
Yeah. <laughs> Those are my ethnicities. Please don't get it wrong. <laughs> cribbage and not cribbage. Cribbage and not cribbage, yes. Half cribbage. I'm Hoppa Cribbage, thank you. There we go. Um, so I just wanted to talk about that playwright because that the cribbage and then cribbage comes back later in the chapter. Let's talk about this this wild Da Vinci Code. Uh, Angie, can you describe the logic of the of this of this Da Vinci Code that they went through? Like what they what they think the dark lady was first? Oh, <laughs> like literally like a dark skinned lady, which I was just like, oh, I I, oh. I almost I almost they, there again. I was like, I don't think I can. I think I need to turn this off and just call it quits. I think I need to tell Dan that I can't do this podcast anymore. I can't listen to someone say this out loud in this audio. That was their immediate thought. And they didn't challenge it for a while. For yeah. a while, too. I no. was like, are we going to circle back around and discuss what, no, what they this never just addressed said? It. Might have been racist. Yes. Might have been a little racist, but let's just barrel oh, past it and keep you guessing. Like, oh no, I was cringing so, Angie, so bad. Bring, bring us down down the the path of logic from dark skinned woman to uh, to Shibuya. Well, that's the thing is that it was it, there's no logic game that they're playing. There's no game. That's why I was so <laughs> like you know having read the Da Vinci Code. I watched this. It's a straight line. Their brain goes, their brains go in a straight line from dark, literally a dark skinned lady. And then Ben says something wild, like maybe it's a metaphor. You know, there's lots of metaphors in literature like Shakespeare's sonnets. Oh, my God, Shakespeare's sonnets. How did I not think of that? <laughs> there was no then, path of discovery whatsoever. And then describe the connection between Shakespeare and Elixir, because I, I, I just want to hear you explain this. Between what and what? Shakespeare and Elixir. Oh, the fact that Shake, the, like 20 of the sonnets address like a dark-skinned lady, and that was like the name of his lover in that. And I, I, I don't even remember how Shakespeare ties into the elixir. The missing I just, play. I, I felt my brain oh, slowly leak right. out of my ears the moment Shakespeare yes. was mentioned. <laughs> it just started liquefying and dripping. There was a lost play called yes. Love's Labors One. 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 Love's yes. Labors One. And literally is like, it's actually about the elixir of life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. See, I had blocked that out via trauma response. I hated it. You heard that. And then they file uh, find a file. On the oh, sorry. I I've taken over. Go ahead, Angie. Bring, bring no. us through. Bring us home. <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, Shakespeare's lost play, Love's Labors One, is actually about this elixir we've been hunting. And uh, they're like, well, maybe we can find something about this dark lady in reference to Shakespeare on his computer. So they like go through and they find a document that says DLLXR dot doc. DLXRR dot doc. And I'm not joking when I say the very next line, no thoughts in between. It says a word document named DLLXR dot doc. Dark Lady LXR, Dark Lady Elixir. There's no path. There's. I'm elixir. so mad. There's no path of discovery going. here. Yeah, it does keep going. Oh, passwords. Oh no, this document is password protected. What could the password possibly be? How how long does it take them to find the the password? It was on the watch. Like a page. The That's right. <laughs> 
on the sex watch. <laughs> this book doesn't have any conflict. There's no conflict in this book. There's no. <laughs> and the password, the password is not even fucking with you. Hold on. Uh, where is it? it? Here we go. Uh, Faith, Valor, and Wisdom, which, as we know, are the three teams of Pokemon Go. <laughs> that... Oh, well, not well, quite. Instinct. Almost. Instinct. <laughs> it's basically, I know it's a joke, but Valor is one of them. Okay, right? Pokemon Go is not a fucking joke, Dan. I can <laughs> tell that you're not a real gamer, so fuck off, because Pokemon Wait. Go is the... Don't, don't talk to me about the gym by my house. And how some mystic motherfucker keeps taking it. And I'm like, no, bitch, this is my gym. I live on this other block. You can't have this. And then, <laughs> God, it's obnoxious. It's John Kennedy O'Toole's house. The only people I know who play Pokemon Go are Gen Xers. Yeah, that's valid. I guess that's I have an fair. old soul, so they say. Not one that play cribbage. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I'm not waspy enough to play cribbage. Mm-hmm. So the password is on the back of the watch. Br bring us home, Angie. Yes. Keep going. You're almost there. God, is there more? I've blocked so, the so much What's of this What's the bottom out? of the document? Oh, oh, uh, where, where the current Magda Alessandri. Magda Alessandri is the dark lady, presumably, correct? Who's apparently a sorceress, not a dark-skinned woman at all. Jesus Christ. Right, not a dark-skinned woman Jesus whatsoever. Jesus fucking Christ. Surprise! I can't. <laughs> I can't. And then where where do they find? And then what does it say? Uh, how, how do they find where she is? I can't. Um, oh, because on the bottom of the document it says Eureka, Eureka, current Magda Alessandri Clea's room one two one. And I at first when I first read this part I was like okay that's a legitimate code like that is not something that they could possibly figure out in half a page. <laughs> well they do. <laughs> Immediately. They do. They do. What's the what's the significance of one two one? How, what is it? Uh, one twenty one is uh, God. It's it's on the cribbage board. God damn it! It's, it's, oh my god! It's, what is it? The it's final the score in it's cribbage. It's the winning score in cribbage. No. Yes. It's the winning score. Yeah, and so yeah, so they open up the cribbage board, right? And there's literally on the I guess the peg because I'm not familiar with a cribbage board whatsoever. But in what order to get that, what the fuck is winning, cribbage? <laughs> I can't handle this. Well, I feel I, like I've been gaslit by this book that everyone just knows <laughs> what cribbage is, and I'm it's a weirdo. The Mandela effect. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, in the cribbage board, there is uh, there are coordinates. Below them was written "little door," right? And then I was like, "Okay, no, this is an actual code. This will provide <laughs> conflict." No, no. They figured that out again in about half a page. Immediately. Um, yeah, and that's where, okay, so there's a little break for, like, saying goodbyes to all the, the dignitaries. Um, they have some some pastries. And so they share this, like, clue information um, where, where they're like, yeah, we found all this on the cribbage board with Reyna. Um, and they're looking up the coordinates, and the coordinates are for a building called Shibuya 109 in Tokyo. And literally the, ne the next line is, Shibuya 109, question mark, Reyna asked, the mall? And that was like when my brain absolutely shut off because I was like, oh, so she recognizes this one word. I mean, they they justify it later by saying that they, they went to Shibuya 109. But just like the way that it's, it's set also up. a really, really big deal. It's like in the center of Shibuya. If you've ever seen a picture of the big scramble crossing, oh, that, that's that building that in the, the middle with the giant screen. Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. Then it is justified. I'll take that one. I'm also back. a weeboo. So it's that might Times just Square be how Tokyo, I. Right? Yeah. And it's also like the Times Square of Tokyo. But 
I feel bad because I was literally there. They have three of my packages right now because they still have shipping restrictions from Japan you to America. Weren't, wait, you weren't you weren't fucking around when you said that? Like you yeah, like they you three, actually have packages. I, I have ship three real packages from uh Ate Piero sitting in their fucking probably back room there and I just want my packages <laughs> from the past year. From the past year. Oh, and I'm like, wow. Oh, lift the shipping restrictions, please. I need my useless shit that I can't wear <laughs> anywhere because I, I bought a bunch of shoes and I'm like, where am I going? Shit's still cl- kind of closed here. Where am I going? Anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, we just saw the Da Vinci Code. And it's yeah. the, the secret was Shakespeare and uh, Cribbage. Also, my favorite line here, I just want to make it clear to Angie how insane this is. Right when she mentions Shakespeare... <clears throat> yes, I jumped in. And Dad was obsessed with Shakespeare before he disappeared. This has never been said before, right, Al? We have never had this information Yeah, before. nothing about Shakespeare. This guy... This is the first time Shakespeare's come up in Conveniently, the yeah. So, like, there's no context for the dad having any knowledge nope. of Shakespeare whatsoever. Thank, thank goodness. I... I was thinking that there was a little bit too much logic going on in this novel. Nope. None. <laughs> None whatsoever. It's like the right it's like Elise Allen and Hillary Duff got bored and then decided to write a new book. Like they're like It feels yeah. that way. One hundred percent it feels that way. This book is just I I I just how is this book so boring yet so horny at the same time? <laughs> I, I have to be honest here. I think that you're projecting a little bit. It's not horny enough for me, like outwardly. Okay, but maybe the audiobook maybe is slightly saucier. Mm. I think it's time for us to go into slut shaming. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Let's slut shame. My favorite is when Raina meets Ben. Um, <clears throat> or meets Sage, yeah. Oh my god. Sorry, yes. On page 191, don't read along with us, but that's for Angie. <laughs> uh, Raina took Sage's arm, quote, to keep her steady on the ice, and quote, though I think her main goal was to see if his arm was as muscular as it looked. By the open mouth gape she shot after her first squeeze, it was. Okay, this book is extremely horny, first of all. That's the horniest thing I've ever heard in my oh, life. Oh, I forgot to say, when she first met Sage, she said, the pleasure is all mine, Raina purred. Unless, of course, it's all Claire's, which is even better. I am not projecting. This book is extremely <laughs> horny. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm coming from a skewed perspective because that's the kind of shit I'd pull as a teenager. So, like, maybe I'm like, oh, that's just regular person stuff. That's not actually horny. horny. But maybe I'm just actually horny. Maybe that's a me problem. Okay, so there's another slut-shaming thing with the mom. Oh, is there? Um, bottom of 195. Everyone's sad except my mom, who is in the middle of acting out a very colorful story about a horse ride she'd taken with another foreign diplomat. Uh, and then she says, so I turn around and his shirt is off, she explained. I mean, even the horse is flabbergasted. It sounds like the end of a joke, like the aristocrats. It, this is just me. It sounds like she should make a report to some sort of HR because that's sexual harassment. 
And then she says, uh, uh, pounds in his chest and cries out, Vigorous Torso! The people who call me Vigorous Torso. Then he challenges me to a wrestling match. Okay, that's the part where it got cool. That's the part where I was like, okay, but did you win, though? Did you challenge him and win? Did you do it? He's oh, hell yes. I took him down in 10 seconds. I beat the shit out of him. Oh, I, I thought it was sex. Oh. That's what oh. I was suggesting. Oh, I thought they were actually going to beat the shit out of each other. I got I think, a little excited for a moment. I think they did. I think, I think textually that's what's happening. I'm just talking about subtext. Oh, I don't want to talk about subtext. I kind of want to <laughs> see some people fight in this book because fucking nothing has happened. Yeah, while reading this, I was like, is this an unreliable narrator? And then I realized, oh, I don't think that this book is smart enough to like no. try and fit in. <laughs> nope. yeah. No self-awareness oh. in this book. <laughs> no self-awareness. They're like, this well, This girl is rich, which means she's morally good. And we're not going to explore that at all. Mm-mm. There are no literary techniques happening here whatsoever. None. The next big, like, horny thing that happens for slut-shaming is at the bottom of 197. So uh, Sage shows up, and then Mom's like, who's this? And she, like, thinks for a moment, like, oh, I can't say he's my boyfriend. I can't say he's my friend because they're going to grill him because uh, she'd encourage her guests to to, to, d- to join in and find out and dig up any deal breakers and see if they're a good match. And I knew they'd be happy to do it. Quote, I'd seen it happen to Raina. <laughs> I can't. What is happening in this house where a sitting congresswoman and diplomats, dignitaries, you know, important people from all over the world are grilling this woman and her fuck toys? Uh, This woman, who I might add, is the daughter of one of the employees at, at the estate. You Man, pulling this apart. I can't apart. fucking handle this. Yeah, I did not think <laughs> I can't that hard handle about this. it. And now that I you're can't. pulling it apart, no. I'm like I have having so a breakdown. I have so much to say about this little luncheon. <laughs> Don't you hate when your mom's employer grills you about your, your boyfriends <laughs> with other foreign dignitaries and heads of state? You know, if a pipe bomb went off at this luncheon, I bet the world would be a more <laughs> peaceful place after the fact. It's Valkyrie. <laughs> I, I just... We'll get to eat the rich in a bit because there's a lot. This is gonna oh, be our longest god, episode, and yeah. I don't care. This is, gonna, this is a long chapter. We need to discuss this. Oh my god, there's there's too much to unpack. So we should just burn the suitcase. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear that 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 my analysis makes sense because I was like, this can't be what. No, what you pulled fuck? it apart cor- correctly. Like you, you definitely were justified to pull that apart. I just like didn't rent space in my brain to like actually analyze what was going on. You're right; it's creepy and weird. Also, is Reyna for... the same age? Sorry, is Reyna the same age as Clea? Yeah, Reyna's like eighteen, I think. Or 19. Oh, okay, oh, okay. So no, it's totally still fine. She's still in high school. Oh, I just I can't I can't. Why is she grilling in? How many boyfriends does Raina have? Which, you know, is good for mm-hmm. her. But how many is she bringing home to this 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 house where her mom works? I hate all of this meet, so fucking much. To meet her mom's boss and her best friend's mom. Okay, you know what? I have a lot of fodder for my theory about how this book is accidentally very white supremacist. This <laughs> is... <laughs> Because this is very no. much the culture of how uh, white people would marry other wealthy white people to other wealthy white. They would marry their kids to make sure they stayed like the money stayed with wealthy. them and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has that same vibe. This is literally what they're doing. This like they're like, ooh, yeah, we got to make sure the continuation of Western culture uh, 
this whole book smacks of that by accident, I think, I hope, but I, I hate this. I hate this whole book. And that's why I think, that's why I feel like I'm suspicious of cribbage. I don't know. <laughs> Just a whole lot of waspy, fishy bullshit in this. And I have a lot of questions and I don't think any of them will ever be answered. Very true. I have a question for y'all. Mm. So at this moment in the book, I have a, what would you do here? Um, Claire's, you know, has to decide how to describe Sage in front of her parent, right? Um, what would you do? Um, I'd be like, who, this guy? Uh, he's, uh, my new bodyguard because Ben sucks. Exactly. <laughs> I fired Ben, but he's a simp, so he follows me around all the time. And then this guy actually does his job of, like, protecting me and stuff. That's why he's in it's all true. these pictures with me. Th that's not even lying. Yeah, actually, that's not lying whatsoever. That's very strategic and good. Yeah. That was a really good answer. Uh, yeah. Andrew, what would you say? My first thought was to pass him off as Ben's boyfriend. Ooh, yes. Ooh. Yep. No, but then that would upset the mom because the mom wants Ben, everyone wants Ben and, and Clay to get together. That's so disappointing. I wrote in my notes that I would change my opinion of this book 1,000% if Ben and Sage became, like, sapiosexual life partners. Sapiosexual life partners. The way that they challenge each other and That's like name the episode. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> Sapiosexual life partners. If they did, the way that they were like trying to one up each other intellectually, like it was exhausting to read and it was just it, like dumb, but also what's, very gay. What's the opposite of sapiosexual? Because I think that describes me better. Himbo. Himbo yeah, loving? Yeah, himbo loving. There is a thing that's like attracted to stupidity. Attracted. Oh yeah, I think I think to... I yeah, get us that word. Hold on. It is the opposite is moralphilia. I love that. Yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> Same. I'm like, ooh girl, you can't do math. What's up? <laughs> I can do math, so I'll help you out with that. Uh me. Or like, boy, do you know what the capital of the state is? You don't. Let's talk. <laughs> Get naked right now. <laughs> uh, I think it's time for Eat the Rich. It's always eat time to Eat the Rich. This, 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 most of the chapter is Eat the Rich stuff. Uh, it yeah. started off pretty slow and then it just ramped up. The first Eat the Rich is on page 183. Again, I want to make it very clear. I underline every single thing that happens that makes me think Eat the Rich. Uh, of Good. course, I mean that figuratively. This don't, book is, don't. this chapter is dripping with weird wasp energy. I hate this chapter. I hate this book. Ooh, ooh, I, I, I forgot one more horny thing. Oh, mm. no. Feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> Stupid sexy Flanders. Bottom of 182. Uh, you know, at, uh, <clears throat> and if so, had Sage used this time to find one woman again and again in different carnations to love her? Dot 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 or destroy her. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> horny. Destroy that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty horny. Yeah, that is. That's very the horny. thing. Yeah. Is that the the like the the through line of an immortal looking for their reincarnated love every lifetime? Amazing. Love that shit. Oh my gosh, it could have been so good. And then it's just like there's they no conflict out the in the code in like three pages. Yeah, there's, there's no, no conflict. conflict. There's there's nothing to be interested in because they solve every problem immediately. Exactly. And they all get along. No, yeah. there was conflict. The conflict was Sage and Ben didn't get along in the plane, and then the cribbage solved it. 
Yeah, oh, and I thought that was just still flirting. half of the book left for us to find out about the picture, him being in the picture thing. But I bet that explanation explanation is going to be so fucking boring. Oh, I bet it's not going to be worth it. Ben totally did like a. Uh, oh, really? You're an expert in history. Well, um, who's the? Um, actually, <laughs> I know. Yeah, name five of their albums. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. he literally does that about Shakespeare. He does like a trick question about two plays that weren't performed. Oh my god, gold. he's a gatekeeping girl boss. Anyway, let's go on to eat the rich. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. On page one eighty three, the first eat the rich, uh, Mister Stedzinski, which is uh, the, the sage's uh, fake name, mm-hmm. munificently used his black Amex to treat all three of us to first-class seats on the next flight to JFK from Rio. Good Lord. No conflict in this. That's that's like ten. That's like $10,000, period. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, right though. Right out if, of pocket. If I'm supposed to be Clea, I'm digging that 100%, because I personally am broke as hell. So if I'm, like, right. supposed to be Clea in this situation, but the thing is, is that Clea could also easily have resources that can get her those things as well. So I don't, yeah. I, do, I feel just icky because all, th- all four of these icky. people are able to do that. Yeah. There's no, there's no awareness of it either. She doesn't even mm-hmm. talk about like encountering that privilege or like encountering yeah. that like, oh, I like not even an acknowledgement that I like, I'm very wealthy and fortunate. There's, there's none of that in this book. And it makes me feel like I am losing my mind. Super icky. Absolutely. Oh, this is weird. Uh, I have a question about, Sorry, I'm going off Ether Rich for a little bit here. Uh, at the end of the, oh yeah, name five Shakespeare plays. Um, <laughs> it says, it was a cerebral version of Bamboo Under the Fingernails. And while oh, I, I saw that. While seem yeah. casual about the conversation, they were soon leaning forward with sweat beating on their yes. brows. It was fascinating and weird. It's like, oh no, I can't. It's it's just bad What writing. is Bamboo Under the Fingernails? I never heard that phrase before. I, yeah, that was... Uh, oh, that's... Uh, what? That's a very popular torture technique. That was, I think that was. Um, oh, oh, Jesus! Yeah, Christ. that's a very Ooh. popular. It happens a lot in like CIA movies or or prisoner of war movies. That's like a very popular tor- torture technique. What was Hilary Duff reading or watching? Twenty <laughs> four. <laughs> that's what people were watching in two thousand four. She was watching. Yeah. I was watching it as well because, well, I think she wrote most of this like two thousand eight. Like no. She didn't write all. a single word of this, Dan. Elise Allen did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No. See, if Elise Allen wrote it, it'd be better. You know what? She did write it, and it's not, but I still respect that she (laughs) collected a check on it, you know? I would feel really bad if Elise Allen was listening right now. She's not going to listen to this podcast, Dan. She has better things to do. Yeah, And if she's gotten this far through all my show, uh, you know what? She knows what she's in for. Oh, I I bleep that when you say it. You do? I wonder how much you bleep of what I say. I'm too scared to listen to the actual podcast because the sound of my is voice is that what she's actually saying? No, they're saying a lot of other stuff. Oh, do you want to <laughs> talk about it now? Al, do you want to reveal? Well, I, no, I think we should ha- we should start a Patreon and like you have to pay to hear the unedited episodes. Actually, great idea. A few minutes later. Anyway, should we get back to the book? What were yeah, we talking to, about? Probably. I, I, I said eat the rich and then barely got into it. <sighs> I know. There's it's like, just what exhausting. more can we say? I feel like they just like, okay, now I'm also thinking that those two groups, like Cursed Vengeance and whatever the fuck the other one's called, 
like that's just some like those are like white supremacist groups, right? They have the same kind of sounding names as like Oath Keepers and Daughters of the Confederacy. And I'm just like, okay, Yikes. this book is accidentally white supremacist and I hate it. I can't yeah, unsee you're not it. Wrong. I'm dying. If there was one POC in this, if there was one BIPOC character in this book, like I might be able to forgive some of this, but there's just not. There's not. They would they would treat her they would treat a character like that like they treat Piri, the Eastern the, the Hungarian uh, yeah. housekeeper. Oh my god, let me tell yeah. you, the person narrating the audiobook does an accent. No, really. <laughs> it is. Not, you know, when someone's doing an accent, but they don't keep their, like, the consistency of, like, the vowels they're forming and the way they're saying words, and they're just doing sort of a generic, non-American English accent. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. And oh, my God. No. Um, that sounds amazing. I am going to do something I've never done before. Can I ask us all to take a break for a few hours? Oh, for a few oh, hours. Yeah. Oh, the Oscars just started. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, no. We resume yeah. at some point. Uh, what, Let's are do you it. Guys, are you guys free in a few hours to come back to stuff the Oscars? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, sorry to do this, but you're this totally gonna, this fine. Be a two, That's fine. Let's make this we'll a, this, see this you in this a two-parter episode. This is gonna be a two-parter episode. I'm gonna be. <laughs> gonna I'm gonna think, be thinking about. I have a little more to say, mostly yeah, about this will white be a two-parter episode because this is gonna be a super long episode. I want to keep all episodes to 45 minutes to 50 minutes or so. Oh no, under an hour. And th- this is this would easy be a, a two-hour episode easily. So I want to yeah. take a break right now. When we come back, we're gonna go into either rich. We're gonna get it deeper into the weird stuff because Eat the Rich is ridiculous. This chapter, it is absolutely like insurmountable. So we gotta take a break and dedicate an entire another episode to discussing that and the rest of this chapter. Y'all, if y'all ready for that? To be continued. Yep. We'll see you in a couple hours. Awesome. See you then. <laughs> and stop record. <laughs> stop record. Sorry. Stop record. Before you go away, go away. Go away, wait, this one's over, let it go, and subscribe, next episode comes next Sunday, or next Monday, please go rate our podcast on iTunes today, don't log off, please just go, and please follow our Twitter, till next Sunday, or next Monday, haven't you told a friend, check us out today. Okay. But she just loved war.